Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Welcome, everybody. My name is Indy, and that gentleman sitting next to me, that's uh, Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and welcome to another exciting episode of Indie Game Business. We were just, we apologize, we're not going to be able to stream on Discord because there was some weird air that has never happened in four years, And but it is what it is. So thank you very much, Tripwire Presents, for being an amazing sponsor for Indie Game Business, and I would like to introduce Jonathan. He is the founder of One Minus One and we are discussing the titles the art of transformation what does that mean exactly well you're gonna find out <laughs> we're gonna figure it out in the next hour mm-hmm. there we go we'll see sounds so good. jonathan welcome to the show and Thank let's you. start with our favorite question tell us how you originally got into the game industry and walk us through your career up to this point So I got into the games industry actually only um, back in 2015. And um, originally before that, we'd worked as one minus one being an agency. We'd worked um, working for every single kind of company and industry you could possibly imagine. And um, the journey was kind of pretty interesting because I was kind of, I kind of run out of steam um, doing everything in the world and it wasn't particularly interesting anymore. Um, so, um, just as I was even potentially considering going back and getting a full-time job from somebody else, um, I spoke to my wife and just said, I'm going to go and get a job. And she said, well, why don't you just go and work in video games instead? You know, that's what you enjoy. And so, uh, her being a lot smarter than me and able to spot these things, I just did exactly that. And we started working with playground games then. And, I just slowly moved away from anything bar video games over that time. Um, And so it was quite a transformative journey for me um, and for the company because it it involved some very significant changes um, to do that. But it's worked out pretty well. So um, that's how we got away from doing sites for bin companies and um, I don't know, like telephone technology systems and things like that, and into much more fun and creative stuff. That's interesting because one, I have the same type of wife who is much smarter than me, except I started this company when I came home one day and went, oh yeah, I quit my job today. Um, Very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was a little nerve wracking at first, but so tell us, it's interesting, especially when people come in from other industries. So what have been the fundamental changes? What's the biggest difference in, you know, doing this sort of work for like the telecom companies, for example, and then when you go to to games? 
Oh my God, there are so many changes. Um, there are so many differences and they are all positive. They have been for me. I mean, I, I've said this before uh, to people, but but as a kind of white, as a white cis male, it, it's easy for me to say this, but the difference is, is, is stark and, and has been really entirely positive. Um, first of all, um, I mean, it's a wide kind of blanket statement really, but I've been able to be myself, which I never could when I was working in 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 other industries. It was far too corporate for my personality. I'm not particularly corporate, and I much I much prefer a kind of discussion where you're just kind of um, the British say warts and all. I don't know whether you guys use that same phrase, but just like really, just like blah, you know, you just talk what? about the things that you think you need to to try and get through a problem, and you don't kind of stand on ceremony or worry about any things like politics you certainly worry about people's feelings in the way that you discuss things but you don't worry about the, perhaps the politics quite so much of it and um so the the difference was just incredible because it meant that some of the the bad sides of my personality i was able to say hey i really suck at doing this and this and this just to let you know and in those exact words, but I have some great people on the team who helped me do those things. So I didn't, I didn't, I felt that like I didn't have to be so perfect, actually. And in fact, it would be so inauthentic to try and present yourself as being perfect, perfect. So that was a really great change um, in move, moving across without any doubt. And then, of course, there's the things like being able to be much more relaxed and much more, um, I suppose, personal. And um, yeah, just bringing it back to just being yourself. I mean, for those who've been in gaming maybe all their lives, it, it, maybe it's it's not something you see because, but coming from the outside, it, it's really stark. You know, even being able to stop wearing a shirt and tie was nice, <laughs> you know, and just being able to say, hey, I'm going to turn up in a Radiohead t-shirt or a game t-shirt today. I don't need to worry about any of that other stuff. So it really did change everything. Um, but then the one final thing that really, really made a difference to me personally was that it meant that it just brought my creativity back to life. Um, uh, so, yeah, we use that word transformative. It was hugely transformative because I just started to I really cared about the things that I was working on, genuinely cared about the things I, I would work on. I mean, for better or worse, I'm nothing but enthusiastic. So. Um, but I was able to channel it in the right way, working on the right kind of, of things that really, I think, brought out the best in me and then consequently the, the agency as well. So it's interesting, I mean, because we do a lot of talks on the show about marketing and especially, but almost geared more to the PR side. But you all come from a different side of the marketing group. We do. Tell us a little bit, you know, when you're working with these studios like, you know, in exile and bonus XP and, and working on things like Forza and that thing, what exactly do you all specialize in? What, what is it that you're doing for these different games and studios? So, so it really depends actually. In, and often on the size of the studio, actually, and what we're doing, I mean, what I think we've made our name in over the last couple of years in particular in our very small cottage industry style way you know i don't have any um uh delusions that we're some huge name or anything um but we're certainly starting to get more well known uh, it's been on the website um and um i'm definitely quite um, um keen on trying to make sure that people are use the web really creatively and and because of that we are able to do some work that i think people 
I, I, we try to create work that people fall in love with and we want to fall in love with. And that seems to then roller coast into lots of other work with other studios. For example, we work with four of the Xbox studios now. Um, and being able to just focus on that really creative side has just, I think, made really helped us to carve our own little niche, if that makes sense. Um, just to do something really, um, do some really fun stuff um, around, and really bring in people's games and people's IPs kind of to life. Because on the website, and this is how we ended up specializing, I think, on this side, on the website, you could, in fact, we did this the other day. Uh, I won't say which company we did this for. It was a very large company. We took a very, very large, one of the biggest in the world, uh, studios. Um, and we said, swap those out for dentist pictures. And you could literally just drop any industry into that website. And it could be a dentist website. It could be a bin website. It could be, I don't know, a, a telecoms website. It could be anything. And that's exactly what we want to try and avoid in the things that we're doing. So so first first of all, for the bigger studios, we're kind of focusing on those kind of things. And then we're looking after Forza and building the Forza.net site and things like that. Um, being a big racing fan that kind of really helped us get in there because i guess they really knew that that enthusiasm was real rather than just a salesy type thing um and um and then for the smaller studios it kind of it kind of changes a lot so it might be studios that are rebranding so it can be i suppose bigger ones too but if they're new startup studios we will be doing the branding for them so like the logo mark stuff and um brand books and just really trying to help them with their messaging and things like that and then can be for games IPs as well, same thing. And then right down moving into the indies, we do a lot of work with them on the marketing side. And that's super fun because the way that we do it um, has been really um, has been really fun the last couple of years. And that has been focusing on making sure that the stuff we're doing is not like we will do this one specific thing for you, um, being really dogmatic about it. It's like we have lots of skills within our studio. And if you work with us, we will work together as a team. We'll be like an extension of your team working with you to create and do some fantastic stuff. But it will all be very flexible in terms of we'll try things and if they don't work, we'll try something else. And as a consequence, it really is just much more partnership-based. We're not perfect. We do screw things up from time to time. But the key thing is, is that we get most things right. And um, because you you become more partners with people rather than the traditional kind of like, agency kind of uh client uh relationship it just produces better results really so that's what we do so how do you approach you know when you're working on something like a forza how do you approach that style of of marketing and creativity versus working with an indie game and, and what can the indies learn from those bigger studios I actually think that it's kind of almost like the 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 biggest studios can often learn things from the indies because I think there's some things that they forget as they maybe get bigger and maybe they get bought and those things that they kind of those almost like nostalgic kind of things they had when they were the beginning beginning when they were really hungry and really just trying to find those really creative fun things to do to make themselves stand out. That might be to employ people or to get the games I game IP out there, for example. So I think it can can work both both ways actually. Um, but um, on on the larger side, I would say 
well, the process always helps. I mean, well, not always. Process yeah. often helps, let's say. <laughs> process often helps. Um, so I think that they could probably learn from a, li a little bit of that for sure. But I would say genuinely, I often feel it is the other way around. Um, and what we try and do is just bring that creativity back into the, the, the larger studios that we work with. What's, of course, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a kind of um, self-fulfilling prophecy because if people have come to speak to us about those things anyway, say if a in exile or anyone like that came and spoke to us they're already thinking that they want to do that um so they're already in that headspace to think about things in that kind of way so i think that creates usually creates like 99.9 percent .9 of the time creates a really good environment to work with and you know gives you the ability to just find those ways to do do things maybe a little bit differently than they've done before like remember that they are um, not just a studio and a name, and uh, but they're also people within that. And to focus on, you know, if you imagine uh, you have, say, 100 people within a studio and all of those different people are bringing something a little bit different, you know, and you're kind of covering each other's, like, things that, you know, aren't quite as good um, uh, in one person as they are in another person, you know? And um, so we see, I think I see, we, we see a lot of that, truthfully, is just trying to bring them back to those things that made them great in the first place. Does that make sense? Yes, but I was, I was taking a note and my new fancy keyboard, I have to mute myself so I couldn't, oh, no, right. otherwise everybody just hears clicks. <laughs> I agree with you 100% because it goes back to a lot of what we say when we're looking at indie games versus and the publishing behind them versus you know the triple a stuff it's you know the innovation and the cool and the creative things always come from the indie studios you don't see that many big triple a studios that are breaking new ground and taking risk and everything they all want everything to be safe and a little bit different than it was last year and that sort of stuff so i can absolutely 100 percent see that yeah, it's 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 a it, it's really woken me up again as a creative and also actually as a human being, if I may say, in the last few years too, um, because I think I'd lost a lot of the things that I wanted to be within my life that were just internal to me, really, and um, and then being able to work with people to bring out those things also in them and in their the things that they're creating and remind them of the things about them that are just so amazing that they sometimes they can forget about and it becomes this, this like large business of course it's a business um but um there's you know nobody you know everybody goes out to make fantastic games and to have wonderful studios nobody tries to do anything different than that i can't imagine um, and sometimes it's it's just even with the branding stuff, it's like bringing them back to the studio that they want to be, because oftentimes you can with the bigger studios, not the small ones, because they're so agile and they're growing and they're kind of bringing in all these like different You bring in one extra person within a group of 10 and that's 10 percent of your workforce just changes. There's this huge this tectonic shift, you know, so it's just um, kind of just trying to to work with people to to remind them about the things that made than brilliant in the first place and, and one of the things i do is i play such a ridiculous amount of games it's it, and I'm, i never speak to and i i will be honest i struggle to finish them because i have major attention issues but 
I just love playing the games. And it's for me, it's very much the art of it, you know, the, the, and, and you see these things people are doing. And so we can sit myself and, and the team the, the same, you know, not every person's game. I think, I think maybe there's one or two out of like 30 who aren't. Um, they, you know, when we talk to them about their games, there's genuine enthusiasm there and trying to, you know, even remind them about those things that are brilliant about the games that they have. Oh my God, this is so amazing. You have to feature this, you know? Um, and that's that's a really kind of um, a vitalizing experience, if that makes sense. No, it, it makes 100% sense. And I'm over here laughing off camera because just yesterday we had, it was the last day of school, ha you know, half day pickup and all the parents were out. I mean, there, there's a restaurant bar that's literally across the street from the school and they were brilliant yesterday. They were like, we're having a party. And I'm sure they just completely raked it in all day. But the conversations around the other parents where I live is always interesting when they do the whole, so what do you do? And then I tell them and they're just kind of blank for a second, but then it, it always gets into, well, my kids or my nephews or my nieces or whatever cousins want to get into this. What do they do? And I laugh and I'm like, I'm going to tell you, but you're not going to like it. And you know, the reality <laughs> is they need to play a lot of games and they need to play a wide variety of games and they need to play games on, you know, PC, mobile, tabletop, card games, whatever, everything. And so I think that's the reason that I'm still doing this 25 years later as well is because, yes, like you, I play a lot of games and I have the same attention issues. I rarely finish any of them, but yeah. I do get it in there. Yeah, so, it's, it's tough. I mean, I mean, I, I commend anyone who can finish these like huge, gigantic games. I, I really struggle. I might get 50 hours in, 80 hours in, or, you know, I played Returnal and apparently you're supposed to finish that in 30 hours. It took me 120. I'm yes. like the worst <laughs> gamer ever. Um, but um, loved every minute of it. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, that, that's just like, I mean, getting, I, I honestly believe I have, uh, you know, my son and my daughter, my son's much more into games than my daughter. But um you know, if he's sitting there just watching some stuff on YouTube or something like that, I'm just like, play a game. And to, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real shift from the way my parents were with me because, I mean, they bought me my first console, which I, was, they, I didn't get the Atari uh, at that time because they couldn't afford it. They got me this, like, Philips one, which was sort of like the, the low-grade kind of knockoff of the Atari, far fewer games, you know, but still was wonderful. And, um, you know, I'm, and getting my son to play those games, there's it's you're creating because that you're the people who've created these games have created these like incredible these incredible amazing worlds and you just think about all the love and the attention that has gone into creating them that i feel like i'm putting him into one of the greatest art forms on the planet if not the because it brings all these different types of media together in one place and it's in i read somewhere recently i can't remember i think it's a very famous phrase it's a minor miracle every time a game gets completed i would say it, it definitely is because if you imagine like the complexities obviously of a game in comparison to like doing a uh creating a painting as much as that's just one person and that's tough in its own way and amazing in its own way too the idea of a game and having perhaps you know dozens or hundreds of people creating something like that is just it, to me, it's just astounding. I can't get my head around it. And I've never been able to get my head around it. It, feel, it still feels like magic. Does that make any sense at all? Or do I just sound like a total nerd? 
No, 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 no. I agree with you. There are aspects of this industry that I completely consider are voodoo because I don't, you know, and that goes from the art side all the way down to how someone figures out that wrapping cellophane around a toilet and thumping it with a toothbrush <laughs> is going to make it sound like a lightsaber lighting up or whatever the hell it yeah. is. I, I, I'm a hundred percent on the same. And, and I think a lot of times it's the developers themselves who don't realize how big a deal that is. And, and, you know, we get teams that come to us and, and they're asking questions and they're like, well, we've released a game, but it's this really crappy thing on itch.io. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's wonderful. The fact that you got it to a point where you could release it. And even if you feel it's as final as it needs to be, it's that last 10%. That's always the biggest challenge. And I think a lot of, you know, the teams in the industry don't give themselves as much credit when they've actually released something, because no matter how small it is, it's still a very big deal. The people that, you know, built pitfall and combat and whatever else back in the seventies, they're small, simple games, but they're still a big deal when they get launched. Oh, hundred percent. Well, I suppose in, in their own way, they're, they're much grander scale um, because of the limitations they're having to work within as well. I mm-hmm. mean, that's just, I mean, that the creativity is just out of this, is just off this planet. You know, I just, I can't even, I mean, I, I, I explain this to, to, to my team and they say, never say, they specifically said to me, never say this on something like a podcast or anything, John, but <laughs> say it anyway. Okay. And that is that, um, I kind of feel like we're riding on the coattails of all these people who are doing these really like amazing things. I'm certainly doing that because although I'm a creative and I, I'm a designer by by background, the people I work with and the people we work with within our clients, our partners, are, are just so unbelievably talented. And it's just, it's genuinely so much fun to watch them, watch the kind of things that they come up with. And it just, just blows my mind. And that can, that is genuinely the same across indie games too, because, you know, g- games don't have to look, you know, let's call it, you know, triple A and in inverted commas to be amazing, incredible games. You know, I mean, look at Valheim or something like that. Graphics aren't great. Games absolutely amazing, right? So there's many games like that. Near Automata, graphics aren't brilliant, never were brilliant when it came out in 2017, but it's one of the greatest games of all time. And and that's because of the things that it has to say and the messages it's, it, it's putting across. Plus, it's great fun too. So yeah, it, it to me, it's like bringing all those people who do the narrative and that they they bring together, you know, the artists, the sound, the people who are creating that. I mean, the sound in Returnal, I I stand by. I think is one of the greatest pieces of working in gaming um, with the sound, and um, those things all just come together to make this whole that is so complex and so amazing to kind of put together. Um, that every time I play a game, if I'm honest with you, I'm kind of playing it half because I love playing games. And half because I'm just wandering around looking at what people have created. So it's, mm-hmm. I often wonder, am I more in love with the art of video games than actually playing video games? And I might just be, actually. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter because I still play them all the same. So so the step beyond that that I also love is when you get these communities in there, especially like the mod teams that come in and play a game. Because that's the reason if you pull up my Steam profile, I have thousands of hours and things like Skyrim and Project Zomboid and RimWorld, things like that, is because not only is the game that was initially created fantastic, it served as a ground-level base for a whole lot of other people to come in and go, wouldn't it be cool if... 
and go ahead and do that. And then you see many of the, you know, some of the mod makers go on and end up with, you know, working for the developers themselves. Bethesda, for one, I know is really big on hiring people that, you know, do mods for, for their games. But it is, it really is all the way across the board. It's, it's one, it's a giant team effort. But two, it's something that it's always new. It's always different. It's always changing. It's transformative. It is transformative. Yes. It is. You just reminded me when you were talking about some of those, these older games. Like the, the first game that I really got into was a game on, on the ZX Spectrum called Jet Set Willy. And you can still see this kind of like the way that that's kind of fed into other games and the way all these things kind of feed into each other. That you know, Right the way back to, of course, Pong and things like that. But then when you get into things like Jet Set Willy, you know, even playing things like, I guess, Inside and things like that, which is just an amazing game. Um, and um, there's a game that's similar that I've been playing um, a few hours into called Planet of Lana um, that has other wonderful things about it. Inside's just legendary, but Planet of Lana is also really enjoyable. And watching the way that they these people have kind of riff on each other, it's, it is a bit like this... Um, uh, you know, if you think um, recently to within the music industry where you look at somebody like Ed Sheeran, not a fan personally, but he do, he is right that everything riffs on everything else. And it just it's it's like a, a, a huge wave, just everybody just kind of like progressing on this kind of like wave together and creating new things. And then occasionally, of course, you get these like amazing things that just come out of nowhere that just make you say, holy crap, where where has that come from? Where have the ideas come from? Few and far between, but Obviously, that's not changing the fact that there's just so much creativity and amazing things coming out. You know, I think I said amazing like at least a hundred times during this conversation so far. I will, I will endeavor not to say amazing again. I promise. It, it's perfectly fine. So this all leads to a very good point. When you're sitting down and you've just onboarded a new client, what are you looking for? in that game how do you go and find and decide what are the aspects that they need to focus on when it comes to marketing marketing their product to be honest the first thing to, to be able to do anything is is always to just ask the questions of the things that they've done already that to 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 look at those things and and sometimes it, you it, even with the very big studios it's surprisingly little actually um, and so that's the first thing, but because sometimes they can come to you with, oh, we've got all this information we've gone and we've gone, we hired this bunch of people to come and uh, play test. We work with this um, fantastic studio called um, Sankari, who are just the most wonderful bunch of people. And they are, um, they've done a lot of really good testing with things like this around how people play the game and things like that. But not everybody does that. So the first thing is just trying to understand what they've done so far. Um, and then the second thing is to, to ask them really, what do they think it is that it, are the kind of unique selling points of the game that they have? And um, the interesting thing is, because if you think about who is sitting there in kind of these managerial positions, it's often people who are a bit like me, but with a bit more hair, you know, it's like middle-aged people who are trying to sort of say what they think is the best thing about their game when that's not the audience of the people who are playing it so often it's so easy to forget that I, I can i do it too because you know i get really over enthusiastic and go, wow we should do this and then i'm i mean the forza guys have said this to me before i'll happily admit it um they i think i think they've said you know we absolutely love john 
but he comes up with all these ideas and you know we just need to remember the, the audience and it's like yep yep we do we have, you're absolutely right I have to remember that I don't get you to do things because just because it's something I want we have to go and look at these other things so um so yeah it's, I think it's just trying to dig out those things that really are special about it and then just trying to decide then if you're taking those bits and pieces it's like just because we think it's the thing that people were really key into about about a game i mean over, overall it is true that it's the kind of overarching concept often that helps rather than a small thing within it but um it you know you have to go out and do lots of little tests to see how people will, will react to things you know you might think that if you're if you're doing something that's let's say with gaming for good for example um and we've worked on some things along those lines um um coming up into 2023 you could look at that and say well actually we we really want to lean into this aspect of it but actually what we really need to think about is is this a fun game and is this a really fun way for people to spend their time you know is it enjoyable to look at to 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 read anything on screen is the music good all of those kind of things make just such a dramatic difference um i personally um i'm i'm a very poor musician but i love to see when people put uh, great music into games it can transform what is actually something pretty average into something really amazing now i'm not saying any of the games that we work with are average however my son was playing one the other day in fact he's completely addicted and all the kids are addicted to this game at the moment and the game is just like a nothing game you know but I've, that you've seen a thousand million times before the music however is absolutely outrageous it's it's, it's just brilliant and I'm pretty sure that he goes back to that game because of the music more than anything and the way that it's kind of you're playing with these rhythms within the game and things like that. So it's trying to just discover within that audience what are the things. Okay, ask somebody. No, don't ask your kids because you're asking your kids and you know them and they're going to tell you the things that you want to hear. Even if they say they won't, let's ask somebody who's completely separate and say what is it about the game that kind of gets, it, gets into that and often it's a group or things like that. So now you now I'm curious. What is this game that they're playing? Um, uh, I, I'm, I'll say it. It's a, a Geometry Dash. Do, oh, do you know, yes. Geometry Dash. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I mean, there's a couple of mechanics in it that are kind of, I suppose, a bit more unusual. Um, and 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 it's, it, it's it's addictive as heck. But for me, it's the music <laughs> that keeps me addicted to it. It's got this fantastic synth music. I mean, I'm like big time into electronic music. So I can totally see it's an amazing game to get people playing all the time. But what I mean is there isn't anything within the game that you would say is dramatically new or anything. I think they've just managed to combine these different things in a fantastic way. And that's that's the talent, I suppose you could say in its own way, the genius way that they've managed to link those things together to make this hole that is bigger than the individual parts, if that makes sense. So don't get me wrong, they're killing it. looking for a publisher for your game well we have something special just for you it's the most comprehensive listing of pc console and mobile publishers in the industry 
over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. So when we're, when we're, I say we, when, when indie devs are looking and they need to go ahead and start finding these little things, you mentioned testing. And yes, we always say, don't ask your, your kids, don't ask your family, don't ask your friends, because it's like your mom telling you you're a great singer. You're not. The reality is you've got to go, like you said, go outside, get new people. Where do you recommend people run those tests and start finding those people? There, is, there are lots of services out there that are actually really uh, relatively low cost that you can use where you can crowdsource um, people to test uh, test games. Those can be really, really good where they fill out a survey afterwards. So you obviously have to give that. Usually you have to give something in return. It could be something like an Amazon voucher or something relatively small. But I have found when our clients have used that, that that's been incredibly useful. And we've had some amazing feedback. Um, from those um, those those kind of tests, and if you think about you're gonna let's say you're gonna spend I make it totally making this up on top man fifty thousand dollars on TikTok, um, you you want to make sure that you're leaning into the things that aren't just gonna get people to click it, but are going to then transfer it into actually a a purchase or a download, whatever that might be, if it's a free to play game. Um, and um, if you find the right kind of things within a, doing a test like that, and it costs you $10,000, $20,000, but it, re- it saves you on advertising budget pretty quickly the same, it seems pretty worthwhile doing it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So there's lots of services out there. I don't know whether you've, you've used it or seen anybody using any of those in the past, but I think those are absolutely gold dust, as long as you go for the right ones. Well, yeah, and a lot of that comes down too to making sure that you're identifying your market and your consumer well to start with, which you know can many times be the problem that developers run into. It's like they don't necessarily fully understand this is who I need to be speaking to. This is who my target market's going to be because you got to figure that out before you can figure out where to go and where to find those people and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, just shout out if you are watching, if you have questions related to the creativity, the marketing, anything really for Jonathan, pop them in chat and we'll get them answered live. But what is the biggest mistake that you see indie teams making when they start marketing you know, their games? Because today is pitchy game day. So that's the other thing. Everybody make sure you hit Twitter, hashtag pitch your game because Liam's project is going off the rails today on Twitter like it always is. And it's a wonderful marketing exercise. Anyway, plug over, but go ahead. Okay. Um, it's a really hard one to answer because I see, I definitely see a lot of mistakes. And, and frankly, I, I, I make them too uh, every day, <laughs> probably several dozen. Um, I think I think often it can come down to... Um, Doing things for the wrong reasons can, can be one. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I can be guilty of this too. So, so let's say um, I, I speak to um, clients and, and potential clients on a weekly basis and someone comes to us and, and I would love to, for every single game that we work with, I would love to do an incredible website, like, you know, something really special. 
However, depending on the platform they're on, um, and depending on just the channels that they're sending the game through, it may not be as effective as I want it to be for them to do that. And it may be better that they make some really fantastic campaigns only. And so I think part of it is just trying to do things, you know, that spend money in places where it actually will move the needle for the game. So, I, for example, I've seen um, clients in, in the past, uh, not for a while, but uh, probably for good reason um on twitter for example just trying to increase paying to increase their follow account for example um mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't really it doesn't really do it and, and and so one of the things i try to do with the studios that and um i was speaking to some people earlier i was trying to talk along the same lines it's like is really just try and think well for every single thing you're spending money on it's like how does that move the needle what does that actually return you know and this, there's this horrible thing which in, in the marketing industry, which is irrespective of games, which is, um, you know, awareness. And this idea of this ethereal awareness, you know, that is so hard to track and, and understand and see how it's making changes to things. And, um, you know, that can be just a really, really hard thing to judge whether you're spending money in the right places. And then one of the other big mistakes I see is people starting things running and then not switching them when you can see that things aren't right. So uh, the analogy I use is kind of a bit of a cheesy one, but it's like if five people trip over the carpet as they enter a room, then you need to fix the carpet. You know, you don't need to see thousands of people do the same thing to make the same decision. Um, you don't. You can sometimes have a campaign running for a very short amount of time and say, no, this doesn't feel right, kill it. We're going to switch to something else. And that's something that we do a lot, which sometimes cannot settle people because it's like, we really, you really thought this was going to work. And it's like, yep, but I have to look after you guys. And I'm going to tell you that it isn't. We're going to switch to something else and we'll find those things that work. So I think it's like not being afraid to accept that you're going to change things when you start doing your marketing. 100% you're going to change them. First thing you do, obviously, when you create a plan is you change the plan. You know, I've never, ever created a plan that hasn't been either completely obliterated or at least changed somewhat. I mean, most of my plans would be completely obliterated. Um, and that is just utterly normal, you know, and it's just the way that you respond to that and what you do to try and make things, I suppose, just you, to, to use a horrible buzzword, to make you and the studio more agile, to be able to change around those things and say, hang on a minute, this thing is working. We didn't think that would work. Maybe that doesn't feel very sexy, let's say. Let's call it a very old-fashioned way of saying it, or really, really kind of really sticky, whatever you might want to call it. Um, but sometimes, you, you know, if you find one thing that's really working, cut some of the other things and put it into the place where it really is working rather than getting set on a particular way of doing things. So I would say that's probably the key thing that crosses my mind. And it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to do that either. I mean, we've done it in the past with our promotions for the conferences and things like that. I mean, you can drop 50 bucks in something and yeah. you'll see exactly, you know, because you get so many hits and so many data points in there, you're going to see what's working and, and, and what isn't. Um, all right. So we've got a question from chat and I'm going to go ahead and guess what the follow-up is to this. Uh, so Anna wants to know if you've got experience with QA websites, which I am going to foresee, foresee means how would you approach a website for a service for the industry 
versus a website for a game or a product? If it's for a service industry website, yeah, we've we've got loads of experience doing things like that, and and it is obviously it's different. The but you're this, you're still looking for the same thing in a way that you kind of are with the game and and with any piece of a uh, business, and that is you're looking for the things about that. You, if it was a QA studio, if I'm answering Anna's question correctly, then you're looking for something about them that really will engage with the people that you are, um, you're trying to speak to. So what makes them look at you and go, oh God, these guys look really interesting. They might be doing something a bit more differently to other people. We could use those guys rather than someone else. So it's, it's definitely just trying to find those little bits that you really think are the value adds hopefully they're different but if they're not different are they better would be the question does does that make sense i hope it does anna did it or did i answer the wrong question wait all right so i pulled up linkedin to answer a question and then the audio took over and so i was still Uh, watching you answer the last question (laughs) um so the next one that came up because you know yes i agree it, it whether you're finding the usp in a game or in a service and especially especially something like qa when there are so so many companies out there in that space i guarantee you i get like an email a week you know asking but yeah it's how are how are you different um all right so we got a rather long one but i'm going to condense it Going back to your carpet analogy from a second ago, is that a tone that needs to be established at the beginning or does an indie team need to make that a cultural or business norm throughout the entire process? Ooh, I think that's a really good question. Uh, really, was that a question? That's a good yes. one. Um, yes. I think they need to that it needs to be throughout the entire process, honestly. I think you need to be able to have that um, that that thought in your head that things are going to change. Because that is just, it's just life, you know, <laughs> nothing stays the same. I, I would be stunned if there's anybody listening to this or whoever listens to this in the future who wouldn't say that almost all of the things that they start to do uh, for their projects change. So I think you have to be prepared for changes. It's not just being prepared for it, though. It's actually doing something about it. I mean, I, I had a, um, a really um, long drawn out, without going into the details of it, because it'd be long and boring for you, but... I had a long drawn out a situation where I could see 12 months ahead back in about 2014, 2015, that something very bad was going to happen with the business and certain things were going to go wrong. I didn't change anything because I got locked into this kind of fear pattern of just hoping something would change, but it wasn't going to, if that makes sense. So the key is like knowing what the signs are, trusting your gut and, and being able to be agile. And I think I would say that any any game studio or any service business within the games industry or any business per se, if they're not able to do that, at some point they're going to come unstuck because I know I did. That was my experience. Um, so I think just being able to get that within the culture is, is, a, is just a, a really important thing. Of course, as those studios get bigger, so if that came from a question from an indie studio, I'm assuming, then that would make it um, much more likely that they'd be able to do that than a large studio where it's much harder to change. And then maybe you have like things like shareholders and, um, 
you know, that you have to think about and lots of more complicated things that change how you might kind of do things like, let's, let's say, uh, the idea of going into doing uh, VR stuff and the metaverse and then having to think to yourself that you will need to shift from those. Oh, my God, I need to shift from these, but this is going to make me look really foolish. Should I do this? And it's like, you know, so it, it, I, I would say that in, in an indie studio, that should be easier. It feels like it should be easier, although because you're a bigger cog in a smaller wheel, so to speak, um, then I guess it's probably just all relative and it still feels like a really big change, you know? If there's one thing that I've gotten good at over the last 13 years with the Powell Group, it's changing because when people come to the, what do you do? And I look back even five years there's a difference between what we were doing then and what we're doing now. And sometimes it cycles back to some of the same stuff again, but yeah, you do, you have to be open to and willing to change and you can't get stuck in that. It's like, well, we told everybody we were going to do VR games, but that's not really working. So we need to do something else. Hell, it just knows your sales people you're learning. Um, All right. Next one up is actually what I'm curious about as well. Does Mastodon or any of the alternative Twitter social media websites work for marketing games? Hasn't worked for us yet. We tried it. It <laughs> um, hasn't worked for us yet. Um, will it? Yes, I would say it will. Um, the, the difficulty is you're still kind of focusing on a kind of a pretty small audience at the moment. Um, it, I guess it can change. It can depend on the industry. Like if you were looking at something for Mastodon, let's say for, I don't know, let's say it was an NF, a blockchain game or something like that, something more, um, let's call it new tech in inverted commas, then maybe you would get more people to, to re- interact with something like that. But we haven't managed to make it really stick as yet. Um, Discord is still just like an absolutely massive one. I, I think part of the problem is um, when it comes to some of these social channels, if I may say so, is that a lot of people don't use them properly. I mean, I don't understand how to do the Discord, you know, really make a Discord, um, do get the best out of a Discord. The team do, thank goodness, but I don't. So um, sometimes it can be that you just don't really know how to use a tool in the most effective way. There's lots of really cool ways you can use a Discord to, uh, and particularly I've learned this myself over over the last particularly year or so, to, to really gamify that experience and make it almost like an extension of a game rather than just being, oh, this is just another channel we have that just allows us to splinter our social audience further. Does that make sense? I'd love to know if that person has made it work. Uh, thanks for the question. Because um, if they have, that would be uh, cool. And maybe I'll be talking to you. Well, I, I can tell you that I too don't know how to make a Discord work. And that's why we hired Pebs, because she's doing a fantastic <laughs> job at it. Um, all right. So, well, before we even get to the next question, TikTok seems to be the outlier on that. We're seeing a ton of engagement and boost to developers and their games because of TikTok. Any thoughts, feedback, recommendations on how to tackle that? Because that's another one that personally, I'm like, oh my God, no. Every time I turn it on, it starts screaming at me and I don't need that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I understand exactly what you mean. I I really do. I I limit my daughter's time on it. I'll put it that way. Because it's just, it's just... That is like, you know, you go down into down the rabbit hole and then you're down there and you're gone. You know, um, The um, TikTok, I, I think, however, having said that, that TikTok can be absolutely brilliant for, for gaming. I really do. We've used it lots of times. 
and very few times it has been anything less than amazing um the 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 ways that people can use it are, are that i see that become really effective we actually spoke to someone a few months ago who actually we didn't end up working with i can't remember why but they showed us some of the things they've been doing on social they were incredibly impressive um, and they'd just been sharing game footage and people had really keyed into it and they'd had millions of views. And I just said, guys, you're doing a really good job here. You don't need super help on this side. If you need help, it's in other areas, you know? And um, so post, uh, posting and sharing the game footage can be absolutely killer. It's trying to get it to actually work is really hard on, on uh, TikTok sometimes because you have to think about the volume of times you're, you're posting um, and then, you know, our head of marketing was saying to me, uh, you know, it's all about the algorithm, Jonathan, and you've got to like cater for the algorithm. Uh, whereas I'm like, just make something really fun and funny and it will just work. One way that you can um, mix up um, one, something that I particularly like on TikTok is mixing up some of the influencer stuff into ads. I think that can be really, really effective. In fact, I know it can be because we've made it really effective in the past. And, um, and that's bringing in influencers into ads for games and rather than just showing game footage. That can really be a fantastic way to get people to, to engage and, uh, with the game and, yes, to get inverted covers, uh, awareness. Um, and um, so I think twi- uh, sorry, TikTok can be just an absolutely you know, a fantastic platform for, for really getting getting the games into the hands of people perhaps they wouldn't get it into otherwise, particularly since it's got a younger audience as well. So I guess it depends on the type of game. Um, but um, I don't know if you've done a lot of stuff within it, but honestly, it's it, it's an absolute, you know, you can really kill it over on that platform. It's just really, it's an exciting thing to introduce um, game studios to actually when they haven't tapped into it because you know pretty much it's gonna work so just by even telling them you can go and go and do this stuff can be really really good um so you just get a massive win with them straight away even just by telling them that maybe you just tell them and they go away but you know uh you definitely change something for them so can you give an example of what you're talking about when you're saying bring the influencers into the ads yeah so um I'm trying to think of a good example. So I've got several examples, actually. I've got, so we did a campaign for, that. Uh, there are two campaigns I, I can think of off the top of my head. One was for a very large gaming PC ma- manufacturer. And we did uh, some campaigns in Europe for them, uh, working with a partner. And we, um, what we did was we took, all of the uh, influencers within this particular country, and I think in the end it was in a couple of different countries, and we asked those influencers to come up with some really fun content around the particular theme that we put to them. So we gave them the ability to uh, use their own personalities to try and use it to, to key into the brand and to the kind of people that would would be interested in those PCs. And by doing that, it meant that we were able to utilize their creativity to do things. And they came up with things that, frankly, we wouldn't have thought of. Um, I mean, I like to think that we're an ideas company, but they're obviously, you know, there's some people out there who are just amazing. And, you know, you, your best p- play is to key into those people and try and get that creativity over to you, particularly if they're a, a face and a name that people might know. So 
we did some, um, uh, but it doesn't have to cost you a fortune, actually, if you do something like that. We use some micro-influencers um, over the last couple of years on several different campaigns where they've just been really engaging people, not particularly well-known, but just really engaging, and they've, they've, they fit right within your target audience because, of course, people look for mirrors, you know, within, within the uh, marketing that you put out there. They're looking to see, okay, well, this person really likes it. They're like me, you know, so maybe I will really like this. And um, you can come up, see, they can come up with some really creative things or you can come up with really creative things and ask them to do that. And then you can, you'll find that people usually will, if you do enough of them, will um, start to find that really engaging and do something about it. And in fact, in those two examples I just gave you, where one is they came up with the creative ideas and then we just signed them off. Obviously, they had to be on brand and everything. Or we came up with the creative ideas and gave it to them and they filmed them. We won awards from TikTok in both those um, in both those scenarios and they were both really successful. So I love using influencers in that way. In fact, I prefer using them in that way often than I do within just using them within like their shows, for example, and sponsoring something they're doing. I I, I think it just I just see that it works really well. So that that would be a piece of advice I'd share. Yeah, I think definitely breaking the mold because it's like I see it on on YouTube as well when I'm watching, you know, and it's like, okay, yes, you're doing another ad for Raid Shadow Legends and it's going to be gameplay and you're talking over it. But to get something different in there and get them engaged, especially in something that they're passionate about, makes 100% sense. All right, so uh, Dakota from LinkedIn, when should a studio start marketing their game? At what step in the process should you announce to the world what you are making? Ooh, this is like a hot topic at the moment, right? <laughs> so that's a it's good question. A hot topic. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really, really hard, isn't it? It's 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 something that we talk to people about all the time, actually, that I specifically talk to people about all the time. And there's loads of different factors involved. Um the the latest that you really want to be starting to talk about it would be three months before i would always say six months before it's start nice to start move putting things out there um i mean obviously there are some games who start to tell people the world about them like years before but if you do that and anything goes wrong you're in deep trouble you know you you start to build a reputation for the game that it's seriously hard to recover from i mean the day before would be a good example of that and uh, if you know that game um, if there will ever be one. Um, and, you know, I'm sure those guys were just trying to make and probably are still today trying to make a really good game. However, they, you, you know, you, you start to create the wrong kind of uh, messages the moment you don't deliver on any of the things you're doing because, unfortunately, the world forgets that people are human and people can make really big mistakes when it comes to working on their games and delays, of course, can shift things. Um, but from the moment... The very latest that I would recommend people are, are starting to market things would be th three months before. Although I have to be honest and say, I can think of a game, uh, somebody who came to us and we don't really do uh, things, Kickstarter stuff, to be honest with you, but they came to us at, a week before and asked us to oh, do shit. things. On, yeah, literally a week before. I knew them well. I'd spoken to them the year before. Great guys. Um, and I just said, oh, God, I just said, I, I don't want you to spend any money with us because I don't think that I could do anything in that time. And I think you'll hate us because we won't be able to achieve anything within the time. 
However, you have a really, really good game. I think people will possibly really key into this because I think you've captured something that other people aren't doing. And they got funding. They got more than funding. I think they got three times the funding or something. Um, they did brilliantly. Um, and uh, so that was amazing to watch them do that. Um, but um, yeah, that was too late for sure. You can't do anything at, in, with that much time. So three months, that's a very long answer to a shortish question. So from we have a lot of LinkedIn people today. Um, <laughs> really enjoyed this. What would you say the most common challenge a studio faces when it comes to marketing for a brand new title? Most common challenge, I would say, oh, I would say identifying the channels that are going to work because they're not the same for every single game. So that's that's a real challenge. And um, I guess part of it would be identifying what are what's a real cost per sale, because I think people sometimes get that kind of a bit confused because they only do it. They don't do it based on the money they might be spending with a an agency like us, the studio like us, they might just do it based on the ad costs or something like that. So that can muddy things and make things a little unclear as to the, to the true costs. So I always like to try and factor those in They're They're a bit more sobering, but they're, they're more real and people are smart and they figure those out down the line and say, well, hang on a minute. No, the actual cost is, is this, not, not this minus uh, whatever we were catering for, for you guys. And um, so I'd say that's definitely one of the things that I think, um, I would say in answer to that. I'm sure there's loads of other. Could you, would you mind read, reading the question one more time? I just want to make sure I've answered it properly. Yeah. Okay. What would you say the most common challenge a studio faces when it comes to marketing a brand new title? Yeah. So I would say that, that I just mentioned there. And then I would say, I was, is it, I mean, this, you say a brand new title. I'm assuming this is a new IP. So this isn't an established IP. I would say finding those hooks within the marketing that you believe are going to bring the people to the game uh, that you're making. Finding those hooks, that's the hardest thing of all because it's not always what you think it is. We've Sometimes we've marketed things and we said, oh, this part of it is just fantastic. The, the, I used the gaming for a good example before. You can, you can market things thinking loads of people are going to want to download it because it does some good in the world. But actually the people who are downloading it are downloading it because it's a really damn good game. And um, and that's what you need to focus on in the marketing, not the other side of things. So again, finding that finding that angle, I think, is a really key thing. But of course, uh, by saying that, I suppose I'm being a little bit insulting because everybody who goes to create a game, you're going to be thinking about these things as you make the game for sure. And um, and if you've been thinking about them as you've been going through to come out the other side of it, hopefully you have a reasonable idea of what are those things that make it fun that are going to make people be wanting to uh, buy the game you you do i mean i agree but at the same time there's been plenty of scenarios where even we've seen games come through our system and what we key on like you said earlier what we key on is something that's really fun is something like oh well we just put that in there or yeah it wasn't a focus so you know it goes back to what you said earlier where it you need to get that extra amount of of testing and outside eyes looking at everything so you can see it because it's not always what very you easy to come up with no it's not and you've just reminded me actually the, the it can be very frightening for people when you say you okay so the first month we're going to do guys we're going to have to do a load of testing and when people hear testing they're hearing wasted money <laughs> you know yeah. in some scenarios and i totally get it i 100 percent get it 
Um, thing is, that is just super, it's super not wasted money. It's some of the best money you will ever spend. Because if you can find the right things, you'll make that money back, you know, many times over. Um, so getting out there, and I, I loved what you said earlier about the 50 bucks example. Yeah, that that works. You know, you can run a campaign. I always say to people before they start to work with us, I say, I promise you, if we put a campaign out there, yes, you can go out there and use systems to run campaigns for you. Let's say ads, you know, let's say it's an ad system to run those ads and optimize them for you. But there's nothing better than a human eye at not today anyway uh anything better than a human eye to just go and think no this just doesn't feel right i think we need to adjust some things here and make those changes you know i know i'm going full circle back into the changes but um yeah just just quick iterations i think would be um something that i'd always come back to all right last question before, before we let you go are there any points in a mark in marketing that are always important even if someone doesn't want to invest much in it That is such a good question. Um, well, I, I just mentioned one, which is the testing, for mm -hmm. sure. That's definitely one that you always want to put some put some time into. I would say probably the, um, honestly, a bit of PR is always good. Now, I don't know very much about PR at all. I'm not going to pretend I do. Uh, it To me, it's like this amazing art. I don't know how people kind of achieve the things they do in those senses, but the one of the key things that often can happen is like the the just luck that can always be like i know that's almost like an oxymoron in in its own way because uh, i'm i'm talking about something that you're trying to do but then i'm saying well it's luck but there's always going to be just you make your own luck by just really trying to sort of heath robinson stuff out there and try and get it out um, into into the world in a way that you thinking always thinking of new ideas to do things so i would say um Back to the iteration, back to just, um, you know, just ex just that experimenting. Um, that always works in the end one way or another, even if it comes back to telling you that you have totally mispriced your game um, and you've priced yourself out of the market with it, which happens all the time because it's really hard to judge the costs on a game. You can't just base it on what you've spent on it, sadly. Wouldn't that be a nice, easy equation? Um, but it doesn't work like that, sadly. So, yeah. I you can always it. lower the price, but you can never raise the price. And that that's what exactly I always true. tell these devs. They're like, well, we're going to launch it at nine ninety nine. I was like, if you're going to launch it at nine ninety nine, launch it at fourteen ninety nine, because yeah. you can always come back and adjust down, but you can't yeah. go the other way. Yeah. Well, um, honestly, trust the QA. She's right. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. She's absolutely right. There's Q. I mean, there's QA in every single part of it. It's not just the QA and like testing the game, right? It's QA in the marketing as well. You know, mm -hmm. just actually trying to look at things from the right angle. You know, it's like great. It's wonderful that we get one thing you can get from TikTok, by the way, just jumping to, to a little bit earlier is you can get an incredible amount of clicks, but a really small amount of conversions. So it's like trying to look at that and going, well, it's clicks are great. So we're making that, you know, ethereal awareness, but let's try and get some people to buy the game. So let's switch to Facebook or some, do something else, you know? Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. So um, yeah. Jonathan, love this conversation. I really, really appreciate you. You're joining us today. Now tell everybody, here's your chance to, to, to plug the studio. If they want to bring you on board and, and hire you all, tell them where they can find you. They can find us at um, one minus one dot com or one minus one on LinkedIn. 
and it's a number one, then the word minus, uh, M-I-N-U-S. So number one, then M-I-N-U-S, then a number one dot com. And that's us. Thank you so much, Dan. Yes, sir. There you are. I am here, here in the background, lurking. Oh, no, this is good stuff. Thank you so much for coming on here, Jonathan. Thank oh, you, Tripwire God. Presents, again, for being an amazing sponsor. Uh, for all you folks uh, that are not in our Discord server, everybody's on LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitch. If you are not in our Discord server, the link is just scrolling across the bottom right there. Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. Come in there. There's thousands of industry. There's it's it's an amazing resource. Just trust me. Just trust me. Go in there. Um, and we are not having a show next week. Get ready. Yeah, that's Pepster Ash. Get ready to unlock a whole new world of expert advice and an incredibly incredibly welcoming community by joining the IGB Discord today. So do it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Thank Have a you, great everybody. day. Amen. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.